Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to AVFC Extra, a no-nonsense look at the club we all love. Brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast. Hello and welcome to AVFC Extra. I'm James Rushton and today I'm joined by Tom Leach of Hampshire Live to talk about a transfer deal that hasn't actually happened yet. We're talking James Ward Prowse to just to shed a bit of light on the situation. It's something that's got Villa fans talking. Thought we could get to the bottom of it. We wanted to see, well, I wanted to see if Saints would sell. Tom's got all the information and of course he can tell us a bit more about the player himself. So without any more talking or rambling on, here you go. Enjoy the conversation. So, Tom, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, all good. Uh, delighted to have you on, actually, because it's a, a bit of a weird topic. We usually do this kind of stuff after signings, but because it's this one's so weird and so hyped and so big, uh, I thought we uh, best have you on to talk about the uh, Ward Prowse situation. First off, I know this is a spoiler for the rest of the podcast. The answer to this means people will probably turn off straight away, but... Is it possible that a deal could be struck between Villa? You know, you know we've all seen the, the the speculation that you know he's he's a major Villa target. More than likely, is but just wanted your thoughts on whether a deal could be struck. You're the expert, so I'm, I'm really hoping you say yes as a Villa fan. Uh, to be honest, but what were your thoughts on that? Well, the only thing that we're told on this end is that James Wood Prowse is not for sale. Um, that's been the same with Danny Ings. This is the same with Yannick Vestergaard this summer at Southampton. Those players are not for sale. Now, what I will say with any player, be this players at Barcelona, players at Real Madrid or players at Manchester United, if you offer a lot more than what the player's worth, you, you'll get them because that's how transfers in football work at every level. Um, the problem that I think will face Villa this summer is that James Ward-Prowse is Southampton's most important player. He's on a long-term deal till 2025. He's just signed that deal uh, less than 12 months ago. Um, Hasnitl loves him. The fans love him. The owners love him. Um, and it's uh, one, one really good example of how important James Ward-Prowse is to Southampton is, is the FA Cup semi-final defeat against Leicester City earlier this season. Um, after the game, Hasnitl and Ward-Prowse came out onto the field and they stood in the centre circle and they spoke to each other for maybe 20 minutes. They were debriefing the game. He is central to everything Southampton do. He's their most important player, even though he's only 26 years old. So the problem for Villa there is how much Southampton value Ward-Prowse is already well into the tens and tens of millions. So if Villa are going to get him from, from Southampton, they need to offer a silly amount of money. And it's, it's probably money that they've not got. Um, he's English. There's, there's, we all know, we're going to see over the next few months with with transfer transfers in the Premier League that there's so many work permit problems with signing players from abroad. English players, you don't have to worry about that. They fulfil the homegrown quota as well. So, just the fact he's English, if he was an if he was an ordinary English midfielder, he'd be worth a lot of money. But he's a, he's an exceptional English midfielder, and he's a midfielder who, if you listen to to most pundits, they can't believe he's not in the England squad this summer. So. 
uh, it's going to cost Villa, uh, I'd imagine, a lot more than they've paid for Buendia, which I guess that that then goes on to Villa's side as to whether they've got that kind of that kind of bid in their pocket. If that silly money was to arrive, and I, I'm guessing it would be upwards of forty, touching fifty million, even if it's it could be well, it, it depends. And it's, it's Southampton. The ball is in Southampton's court, as you say. Would a sale at any cost, at that high cost, would it be a good deal for Southampton? Would they? Would you trust the club to invest it wisely, or would it be best? Like like Villa's situation with Grealish, would it be best that they hold on to that player and build around them? I think that's only a question really for for the hierarchy at Southampton. But one thing I will say about Southampton is that we're always reassured that their owner, who is we don't really hear from him. Um, it's no secret that he doesn't put an awful lot of money into the club, but he doesn't take any money away from the club. Um, Fifty million pounds coming in for a player will be reinvested because the club are allowed to allowed to keep operating with what they get come in. So, um, with any transfer, if if it's accepted, then that will be the club deciding that the money that they're getting is worth it. Uh, I think if a a huge sixty odd million pound bid comes in for Ward Prowse, then I think even some Southampton fans will will say, "Look, James Ward Prowse is a really important player for us, but." what could be done with that money um, will help the football club. But as I say, that's the same with any transfer, really, with any football club, whether that's Manchester United or Barcelona. But um, but yeah, he's, as I said before, he's a, he is, like I, think, I guess the stance from, from Southampton is the same as what most clubs would do with a player they don't want to sell. They're going to say he's invaluable to them. But big, big money, uh, Southampton are not in a position to to turn down silly money for a player especially if it's well above their valuation of him. Talk about the player himself. I think he's like a one-club man, isn't he? He's always been around. I think there was a bit of about maybe Portsmouth. Or was he a Portsmouth uh, supporter or something? There's a bit of a controversy there. But I wanted to what, what his background is. Or, you know, you've, you've been covering Southampton now um, for a while now. Um, what's your experience of him been like? Yeah, he's, he's a Pompey lad. Um, but I think... In the same way that, that Jamie Carragher was an Everton fan, I mean that that changes as soon as you get to a certain age in the academy. But um, yeah, he's 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 Southampton's golden boy in a way. He's there. Uh, Southampton's got a lot of brilliant academy players. They've had Gareth Bale, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, um, Theo Walcott, who's now back there. But but James Ward Prowse is the 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 one of of now. He's he's their he's their golden boy at the moment. Um, like I say, he's their most important player. He's crucial to everything they do. Um, I was having a conversation with someone about James Ward Prowse the other day, and I said that I can't remember ever giving him less than a seven out of ten in my player ratings after every game. He's always a seven out of ten. If not, he's an eight and a nine. Um, he was their player of the season by a mile. Um, Stuart Armstrong and Carl Walker Peters were good, but James Ward Prowse was unbelievable all season long. Um, he's played every single game for Southampton for over two years, which is unbelievable when you think how much players have been complaining this season about this strange elongated season not enough rest he's played every single minute um he's also been away with England for three camps during that and he's still played every single minute for Southampton um yeah he's a brilliant player I've interviewed him a couple of times um because of coronavirus we've not been able to mix with the players as, as normal but I've had a few phone calls with him to do interviews and yeah he's a very mature uh, guy, he, often, he he jokes me a couple of times that he feels like he's 34, 35 years old this season because he's he's found himself as one of the senior players in the in the dressing room with players like Nathan Teller who are so young coming in. But yeah, he's he's as I say, he's Southampton's most important player, and he's he's at a point in his career now where 
He's 26, so he's about halfway. Um, he'll be really happy with what he's done so far. Um, and based based off the information that he's signed that new deal through 2025, he sees the next four years at least being at Southampton. Are there any particular like strengths and weaknesses to his playing style? You know, he's uh, he displayed a lot of strengths in his uh, most recent appearance for England, so it is a shame actually not to see him in that camp, especially, you know, we will talk about the set-piece ability later as well. I'm sure we'll come on to it next uh, for a bit as well, but, you know, it, it seems what a team, not just like England are missing, but a team like Villa as well, just that's most teams actually, with, with the quality of his set-pieces, he could be a, an impact pretty much across the globe, but I just wanted to know any particular things that stand out positively and negatively about Ward Price. Yeah, I don't think we need to talk about the set of pieces right now. I'm sure we'll get onto those later because everyone knows about them. Um, I think it's unfair sometimes that he's called a set piece specialist or merchant at times when there's so much more to his game. Um, he's 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 unbreakable. He, he plays every minute of every game and he, he runs harder than anybody on the pitch. Um, if you listen to any Southampton player talk about the running stats, he tops them every week. Um, I've not seen the running stats for this season yet, but I know that last season he was the the player in the Premier League who covered the most distance. Um, he's also clever. He knows when to fight and when not to. Um, Southampton fans have seen him have endless tussles with with Rolf Zaha. They seem to clash every time they play against each other. Um, he's clever with that. That's something that he's added since he's been working with Hassan Hill. Um, he knows when to get a clever yellow card and when to make a clever foul, and that wins points for Southampton. Um, yeah, he he just he, he covers yards. It's something we saw. It's something I realised most about him, to be honest, when I saw him playing for England, because in the role that he plays for Southampton, he kind of plays as a number six and he covers a lot of ground. He covers more ground than anyone in the Premier League, but it's clear to see what his roles are. But when he played for England, he sort of played like a one of a three. So he was he was like a number eight. He was moving a lot more. And yeah, he's, he's up and down. He's everywhere. He's a box to box. Um, I think that's when he's at his very best. In terms of negatives, like I said earlier, his performance has never really dropped below a seven. So it's hard to find a negative. Um, there has been games when he struggled without the right man next to him. Um, but when Oriol Romeo is there, he, he normally scores an eight or a nine for me out of 10. So it's hard to identify a top, top negative. Um, maybe his defensive work, but like I say, I don't think that's really his game. I think he's an eight as opposed to a six. He just probably plays as that six for, for Southampton. I mean, we've glossed on it there a bit, but, in a midfield trio, so sorry, for example, Villas, where would he fit then? He would be that number eight, I guess, where we've kind of put John McGinn this season. He'd be the box-to-box guy. Yeah, I think very similar. He'd probably be one of the wide of those three. He benefits from having, you know, an Oriol Romeo next to him, like he does at the moment, um, doing all the defensive work and making things a little bit nasty in the middle, and then him thriving off that and playing alongside it. So, yeah, I think that's why he looks so good for England in those games, really, because he was he was partnered by a few in midfield. Um, the games he played for England were those games when Southgate was trying that 4-3-3, so he was one of the three. Um, but he's versatile. He can play at right back. He's done that a lot for Southampton. Um, he can play right midfield. He's done that a lot for Southampton. He did that on the final day of the season away at West Ham. So, yeah, he's versatile. He can play a lot of positions, and I think anywhere in that in that midfield cluster he can play we say that he's a number eight that's taken away probably how good he is as a six because he's been Southampton's best player this season playing as a six so yeah defensive midfield he can do that um I probably sound like I'm bigging him up an awful lot to then say sorry Villa fans you're not going to get him this summer but yeah 
um yeah he's, he's he's a good player in every in every position he really gets put in and there really aren't any any weaknesses as such from what you're describing and i know this is a bit off topic but it sounds like it's almost like leo bakuna is a uh pound shot james ward price uh that utility man with a bit of aggression he really is he can play price he can play in every position and okay we've never seen him in goal and we've never seen him up front but he, he does pretty much everything else for southampton so that's one of the reasons why I think his valuation that the club will put on him will just be so high and it will be one that if Villa match it, they'll be probably breaking transfer records and fair play if they're willing to do that. Maybe Southampton will budge, but I just can't see a bid of that size really coming in for him this summer. I don't know. Maybe Villa proved me wrong. I guess we'll have to wait and see. So go on then. You've got to tell me about the set pieces. Look, Villa fans know all about them because they've stunned us more than once actually you know, twice in a game. Um, mm. And it was, uh, I think what stands out really good about his set-piece ability is the fact that in that Villa-Southampton match, the so one at Villa Park, the XG, the expected goals, was weighted towards Villa. So people after the match were like, yeah, yeah, look, we were all right. It's like, no, you're not all right, because if you're giving those chances away to James Ward-Price of all people, it doesn't matter how many good chances you've made. He'll score, you know, he'll thread the needle. A lot of the uh, narrative about his absence from the England squad, which, you know, arguably does deserve a place in there, is about that set-piece ability. And, yeah, I think I get what you mean about the set-piece merchant things. You hear that free-keep mm-hmm. merchant a lot, um, you know, directed at some players. Um, it's a hard thing to take. And, I mean, at Villa, we've seen that corner's a hard thing to take these days. So having someone who can actually put, you know, thread the needle with those those set pieces is, is a, a massively valuable thing so can't talk to me about these free kicks you, you you've seen a few in person surely as well you instantly think of those ones around the edge of the area that he puts in the top corner the two against Villa the one against Man United uh this season there was I think there was three more um too many to think of really but I think the most impressive ones are the ones from areas where most players would just punt it into the area but he he puts them in the perfect place every time those crossing free kicks um, his corners are just as good, they're exceptional. Um, one big one big bonus with the start of Southampton season was what they had they had Yannick Vestergaard, who's a six foot six Danish centre back. For those who don't know who he is, he wins every header that comes his way. So having Ward Prowse over those and whipping them in, it was perfect. He, I, I do think he's probably the best free kick taker in the world. I don't know whether we're gonna see we're gonna see um Hakan Chanaloglu tonight for for Turkey, who's meant to be really good. Uh, in the Euros, but but James Ward-Prowse is is if not the best free kick taker in the world. Um, the thing about being a set piece merchant, I think uh, with England you can't have a player who's just free kicks because he's got a. There's no point having a player who can take free kicks if if he's not on the pitch. And the question is, what was Ward-Prowse going to be on the pitch? But I think that was missing the point a little bit. I think Ward-Prowse could have been on the pitch because he he's he's so good at everything else that he does with his game. But but also. Those big free kick moments that James Wood Prowse so often buries, quite often they're deep in the game. They can be for England, they'd probably have been in extra time. So, bringing on a player like James Wood Prowse for England in extra time, a player who's run more than anybody in the Premier League for the last two years, a player you could argue is the fittest player in the Premier League and the best free kick taker perhaps in the world, to have that on your pitch in extra time of, a, of an England knockout game, that'd have been huge, especially with Jack Grealish winning free kicks off tired legs. And I'm sure there's a little bit in, if, if Villarar is interested, as, as the reports say, then I'm sure that that's in Dean Smith's mind, Jack Grealish winning free kicks and James Ward-Prowse getting over them. You know, people like Tyrone Mings getting on the end of them with his head if, if he's not already going for goal from the free kicks. So, yeah, 
honestly, he's brilliant. He, he, I think he pr- could well be the best free kick taker in the world. Um, and yeah, I think he's that that talent, especially deep in extra time with with so many tired legs on the pitch, has been overlooked a little bit by England this summer. Yeah, there'll always be one person in the comments who's just went on a, a highlight reel of some Mexican wonder kid, you know, very <laughs> yeah, on the seventeen level, going, "Look, I'm just <laughs> seeing this lad. Actually, you're wrong." And it's like no Villa fan after what they've seen James Ward-Prowse do to us this mm. season, should be actually disagreeing with you because, look, we had Conor Harahan and he was no slouch at free kicks. Absolutely magic time and time again. But, you know, uh, players like James Ward-Prowse, just on a different level. The, the, yeah. the situations they're doing them in is, you know, my, my heart beats hard enough thinking of recording a podcast and putting my face out there, letting alone standing over a free kick 89 minutes to go knowing you've got to hit it and knowing you can do it as well. That's the hardest part, knowing you've got to just do this kind of simple task over and over again and nail it each time. And that's probably the most amazing thing about it. It's just a simple thing, isn't it? A free kick, hitting that dead ball over, getting the goal, top corner. It seems like such a simple and easy thing, but doing it, we've seen in the Premier League, it's hard to do. Not many players are banging in free kicks like him. So, you know, that set-piece ability... Yeah, we can sit and talk set piece merchant, but but he's making a name for himself off the back of him. So you know, fair play to him, Tom. One of the big things that we just add that I, that, I, that amazed me about him this year in terms of those free kicks is after that Villa game. I think it was the Villa game. We spoke to we spoke to Ralph Hasnett about him, um, and I think I said something along the lines of, "Does he just practice them every day? Is he just does he sometimes just walk off from training and have a bop at a few free kicks?" And Ralph said that he's never actually seen him practice a free kick. Now, when we speak to Ward Browse about that, he says, oh, I, I do, I practice them, but not as much as I used to. He tells stories about being in his mum and dad's garden and, and that was all he did religiously, just practicing free kicks over and over again. He's a massive David Beckham fan. He loves David Beckham. So it's no shock that, that that's where it comes from. You can see a lot of Beckham in the way he hits the free kicks as well. He kind of does the same run up and he arches his body the same way. Um but apparently, according to his manager, he doesn't practice free kicks as much as you'd think. So it's just some bizarre raw talent that he's got, or it's something that he practiced so much as a ten-year-old he doesn't need to do it anymore. To be fair, I know I know a bit about that man. So that's all I used to do for football. Um, I could just <laughs> couldn't play. I could just hit a free kick. Just <laughs> wanted to. I used to, you know, when you're a kid, all you see is the free kick. You don't look oh, like yeah. really focusing on the ninety minutes. You just see the free kick, and that's the glory. I can bend when you curl on it feels good but it's like you know it, it, if you can't do anything else what's the point of your he's of that age as well he's 26 years old so he'd have been about seven then when when or maybe six when David Beckham scored that free kick against Greece that that probably Beckham's most famous free kick so yeah he'd have, he'd have he's exactly of that age when he probably watched that and run straight out in the garden and then watched the money United ones on, on YouTube and kept practicing them so yeah He's exactly of that age when when he absolutely loved David Beckham. Yeah, I think uh, me and James will price a kindred spirit there, mate. But um, <laughs> I think from from the manner of the conversation, um, there's possibly no movement now. Look, I don't know if what will happen myself, but realistically, do you expect him to remain at Southampton come deadline day? Yeah, I do. I expect him to be with Southampton for to be honest, a long time. Um, everything I said earlier about for how the valuation of him is so high. Southampton's most important player. Um, one thing we're told too, even even the, the big losses that Premier League clubs have, have confirmed this season because of coronavirus and no match day revenue, we're told Southampton just don't need to sell. They will sell. They'll sell players like Jan Valery and Jake Vokins. Um, Jan Valery was with, with Birmingham City on loan this season. They'll, they'll sell players like that to lower league clubs, I think. 
Um, just to raise a little bit of funds here and there. Angus Gunn as well. That's a story that I broke yesterday. Angus Gunn is uh, on his way to Norwich, we think. There's the £5.5 million move being discussed there between those two. Um, so players will be sold, but they don't need to sell their best players to, to balance the books, to keep themselves afloat. Um, they just don't need to. So it's going to take a huge bid for them to, to sway on that situation, to sway on that decision. If there's any player that they're, they're going to lose, it's not going to be him. He's their most important player, um, most valuable player, um, partly because of that long deal he's got. And that's what the deal was there to do. It was there to keep them together for a very, very long time. Well, I think if uh, any Villa fans watching who want us to uh, have that Maverick set piece take that box-to-box midfielder, the guy who we can moan about not appearing for England, now that uh, Watkins, Mings and uh, Grealish have got their caps, it's got, it's got to be. I mean, they've got to show the checkbook, I guess, from what you're saying. They've got, got to show it in some style, but they've spent big on Buendia. If they do gazump that deal with this one, I think we'd all be happy. You wouldn't be, but <laughs> I don't think we're here to make you happy, mate. But Tom, thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I know it's a, a bit of a difficult conversation having to come on and kind of talk about the you know, a deal that might not exist yet, um, a deal that is probably uncomfortable for someone covering Southampton to talk about. So, yeah, you know, can't thank you enough for coming on, mate. Where can Villa fans find you if they, they want to bug you? Trying to keep on top of it if anything does emerge. Uh, my Twitter's at Tom Leach, L-E-A-C-H, uh, H-L at the end, actually. If you want to follow me and keep up to date with James or Fastings, that's probably the place to do it. Anything I hear will be on there. So, yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to AVFC Extra, an additional dose of Aston Villa content for you, brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast team. If you enjoyed the episode, please do get in touch with us, get involved in the comment sections, tweet us at Claret Blue Pod, or leave us a review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. We'll catch you again very soon with some more content. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.